if we're going to win statewide here in Minnesota, we're going to have to have a you know, different playbook. Republicans haven't won a statewide race in Minnesota in 15 years. Now, as they look to the midterms, they must confront division in their party fueled by the enduring influence of Trumpism. From the Minnesota Reformer, this is Reformer Radio. I'm Max Nesterak. This week, Editor-in-Chief Patrick Kulikin spoke with one new lawmaker who wants Republicans to move beyond Donald Trump. You know, Minnesota Republicans need to focus on being a big tent party and focusing just on those kitchen table issues that Minnesotans care the most about. State Representative Jordan Rasmussen says he has a strategy to broaden the Republicans' narrow base. In one of the communities that I'm privileged to represent, uh, Pelican Rapids, it's a majority minority community that has historically voted for Democrats, and we went and flipped it by 15 points. The future of the GOP through the eyes of one young freshman lawmaker. It's Friday, July 2nd. Patrick, what was your interest in a freshman lawmaker in the minority party in the Minnesota House? Well, in my coverage of politics, I hear a lot of hand-wringing and teeth-gnashing amongst Democrats about uh, their own travails. They have this issue of the progressives and the moderates and conflict. Uh, they're coming up on a midterm election in which they're likely to lose seats in the legislature and in Congress. They have this 78-year-old standard bearer and the president of the United States. They have their own kind of identity crisis. But the reality is that despite certain advantages that Republicans have in the U.S. Senate and in the Electoral College, the party has its own crisis. And, and to me, it's both demographic and, uh, because of that, existential. And what I mean is that um, not just that the country's becoming uh, less white, which is certainly an issue for Republicans, but even more concerning if I'm a Republican is that they are losing younger voters by really wide margins, 60-40, uh, in some cases, two to one. And despite that, the, con the party continues to be um, really run by supporters of President, former President Donald Trump, who younger voters really turned away from. And so these are long-term issues that the Republican Party is going to have to, uh, they're going to have to grapple with. And, uh, and a source at the Capitol of mine said, you really need to look up this young guy named uh, Representative Jordan Rasmussen. And who is Jordan Rasmussen? Great. So my name's Jordan Rasmussen. Jordan Rasmussen is uh, just 28 years old, freshman legislator from West Central Minnesota. I'm the state representative for House District 8A, which is most of Ottertail County. I live in Fergus Falls with my wife, Emma, and I'm serving in my first term in the Minnesota House. He's a young guy, and he's got a really impressive resume for a 28-year-old. He he went to Harvard, then he went to this very uh, elite consulting firm called McKinsey and Company. Then he winds up at Bain Capital, which people may remember from from Mitt Romney. It was his his firm, and uh, then he gets this call from a 24-year incumbent Republican from his hometown named Bud Norns, kind of the classic old-school Minnesota Republican who calls him and asks him to be his hand-picked replacement. Basically, he uh, gave me a call, said that he wanted to retire, and asked me if I would run with his support. And after talking about it with my wife, Emma, decided to make the jump into public service. My family's uh, lived in Ottertail County for six generations. I um, 
lived in the Twin Cities after college for a little bit and then out in Boston. But ultimately, my wife, Emma, and I, who are both originally from Fergus Falls, decided we wanted to move back as we were starting to uh, think about a family. And I probably thought I was going to enter public service maybe a decade or two from now. Um, but uh, when you gave the call, just felt like it was a uh, right opportunity to go and serve the people of my district and the people of Minnesota. So my first question to him was, you know, why are you a Republican? Um, and, and the reason I was asking is because he, he looks like the voters that President Joe Biden won, young and highly educated. And he also grew up with these significant events that turned people away from the Republican Party, the Iraq War, and then also the financial crisis that led to the Great Recession that began under the presidency of George W. Bush. And so what did he say about why he is a Republican? Well, he actually has a compelling origin story. He says he was a Democrat in high school, a moderate Democrat. And then in college, he does this semester in Cuba. And that's where he has this kind of transformation. For me, I became a conservative in college. I had the opportunity to study abroad at the University of Havana in Cuba for a semester with Cuban students. And uh for me, just you know, that experience really exposed me to the importance of our rights as Americans, free enterprise, the importance that that has in creating prosperity and opportunities, upward mobility in a society. And so I think for uh, conservatives, for Republicans going forward, especially as we're looking to appeal to younger generations, I think it's important to talk about how our policies really impact uh, the opportunities that they're going to face over the course of their lifetime, whether that's looking at their opportunity to buy their first home, to start a family, to get their career started off on the right foot. So he's has these traditional conservative values that drew him to the party, but at the same time, uh, he's coming into politics in the era of Trump. And to me, these things seem to conflict and there seems to be some tension there. And uh, most especially on January 6th, when Trump partisans storm the Capitol and try to overturn the Democratic election. So I just wanted to know what was going through his mind and, and where he was on January 6th. I was at the state Capitol. I had actually just been sworn in, I believe, the day prior as a state representative. And, you know, I uh, personally, um, you know, looking at the attack on our Capitol on January 6th was just really... Uh, taken aback. Uh, in high school, I had the opportunity to be a page in the U.S. House of Representatives. And so that was one of the stark uh, visuals for me was seeing that the, the page bench that I had sat on as a high school student being used to barricade uh, the House floor, um, you know, the Capitol Police officers who watched over me as a high schooler um, were obviously being uh, attacked violently. And, and I think it just uh, goes to show that in our actions, whether we're elected officials or as individuals of the community, we just have to be respectful of the institutions of democracy that we have and, and do what we can to, to preserve it. It's uh, part of our inheritance as Americans, and it's something we owe the next generation. Mm -hmm. The first time that we talked, uh, you spoke about the party needing to move beyond Donald Trump uh, and and comments that I thought were actually pretty brave. But since that time, Liz Cheney has lost her House leadership post and because she refused to, to accede to the, the idea that Trump was actually duly elected. He's made a return to public life. And there's even apparently people in his orbit who, who claim that he's going to be reinstated as president. Um, but the point is that he, he remains a key figure in the party. And I'm wondering if you think 
uh, how he should be regarded by Minnesota Republicans. I think uh, President Trump, you know, obviously brought in some new voters into the party. We saw, you know, record turnout across the board, both people who are coming out to vote for President Trump and people coming out to vote against him. I think a lot of the policies that his administration worked on and advanced were were widely popular with Americans. Um, but I also think it's important for us to look, at least here in Minnesota, he was on the ballot twice and lost both times. And so I think if we're going to win statewide here in Minnesota, we're going to have to have a uh, you know, different playbook to be successful. Uh, when I'm out talking to Republicans, whether that's in Ottertail County or my colleagues here at the state capitol, we're not focused on the intra-party um, you know, squabbles uh, you know, that I think a lot of people get caught up in. It's really about what issues are we going to be advocating for this session, also moving into the election year as we work to uh, retake the House majority. So he's optimistic about the Republican chances in 22 and their ability to unify the party around these kitchen table issues. I tend to think that he's glossing over the deep divisions in the party um, between the Trump forces and the, the older style Republicans of what, that he represents. And so I kind of pressed him on that. Uh, just around the time we were talking, there was going to be an event at the Capitol where a group called Action for Liberty uh, that was going to be protesting Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka uh, for not being tough enough on Democratic Governor Tim Walz. They say that the the most powerful elected Republican in state government, that is Gazelka, uh, was a faker and a weakling, um, using some of the techniques of of Trumpism um, in the in the name calling, and and so I asked uh, Representative Rasmussen about that. You know, I, when I'm talking to Republicans in Ottawa County or even a lot of my colleagues, you know, our focus isn't on the intra-party, you know, personality conflicts, frankly. And a lot of it's about the issues and what we can do to uh, make sure that we get the best budget possible for Minnesotans and the right policy along with that. I think, you know, there's always going to be individuals who are interested in the clickbait politics and are looking for a stage for that. Um, my style is a little different in terms of trying to figure out what I can do with my Republican colleagues, what I can do with my Democrat colleagues to actually move the ball forward on policy. And sometimes that's uh, standing at a rally and giving a speech and, and contrasting our visions for Minnesota. And sometimes that's sitting in a room trying to figure out where our common ground is and what are some things that we can move forward on a bipartisan basis. But there's clearly a debate going on in the party. It seems to me that one side has already won, and that that's President Trump, former President Trump's side of the party. Uh, but there's clearly this debate to determine the future of, of where you're going to go. And you have a huge stake in that because you're clearly on one side uh, with a lot of other suburban Minnesota Republicans, I think. Um, and then there's, there, I mean, there's actually a, a, a breakaway caucus or a, a breakaway, the new Republican caucus, they call themselves. Um, and I believe there's even another caucus. Uh, there's actually three Republican caucuses right now. And your career in public service and your uh, future as a Minnesotan is really going to be determined on, on that debate and who wins that debate. Uh, and so what, how, are you, how are you doing? How are you winning that debate? How are you engaging in that debate? For us, and I think if you look at you know the uh, legislative leaders for the Republican Party at the legislature, you know they're pretty focused on just talking about what policy solutions we have for Minnesotans, whether that's 
uh, fighting for uh, competitive tax rates, reduced regulations, trying to address housing affordability, healthcare costs. And so I, I don't think Minnesotans, frankly, are very interested in you know a breakaway caucus or a breakaway of a breakaway. I frankly don't think they're following that, and they're more focused on what are the Democrats proposing uh, to do through state government, what are the Republicans proposing to do to state government, and having that policy conversation. And I actually feel that as Republicans here in Minnesota, we're very unified going into next year uh, with a pretty strong mission of um, defeating Governor Walls for re-election, winning back the Minnesota House. And I think we're going to do that by appealing to um, suburban independents who maybe didn't vote our way this last cycle, uh, going up to the Iron Range and talking to uh, historically Democrat union voters about uh, why we care about their jobs and their way of life, and um, taking that message even to uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, and I think addressing some of the public safety concerns that we're seeing and what uh, Republicans are going to do to address those policies. Mm -hmm. That kind of gets me to an unavoidable discussion of race. Um, for at least some time, the Republican Party um, was making outreach efforts, uh, certainly to Latino voters. Um, and Donald Trump uh, kind of threw that, threw that playbook out and uh, seemed really focused on creating racial division. And a lot of the base of the party found was very receptive to that. I mean, his his approach on immigration clearly was a, a an early driver of his success. So, how do you balance uh, trying to um, keep that base, that Trump base in the party, while also recognizing certain demographic realities about the future of the country? I actually think the voters have been telling us a different story. And so if we look at this last election, Republicans, including President Trump, made uh, pretty remarkable gains among the Latino population um, and uh, communities of color kind of uh, across Minnesota, across the country. And when you go and look at why that happened, it was because of the people understood their communities, they were connected to their communities, and they were talking about uh, just the common sense solutions that Minnesota families want to hear. Um, one example is in one of the communities that I'm privileged to represent, uh, Pelican Rapids. It's a majority minority community that has historically voted for Democrats. Um, and we went and flipped it by 15 points this last cycle uh, just because we door knocked it three times. Um, we had volunteers who door knocked in Spanish. We had volunteers who door knocked in other native languages. Um, you know, it didn't matter uh, the race, religion, uh, immigrant background of the voters I was talking to, a lot of the similar topics around economic vitality in greater Minnesota, high quality education for their uh, kids. Um, and so I, it's been really exciting to get a chance to represent that community and learn more about them in the legislature. What, what was persuasive? What do you think that was persuasive in your approach to them? I had one uh, family that I stopped by and, and uh, knocked on the door. And as I was leaving, he said, this is a really good idea. And I said, what is? And he said, going and talking to people. And uh, in our area, you know, we, as a party, really didn't make much of an effort to outreach to those communities. And so I think the fact that we showed up and didn't just show up once, but showed up multiple times, heard uh, the feedback we were getting from those voters. And now, since I've been in the legislature, continuing those conversations, I think is uh, just building relationships, trust that you care about their community are going to serve them well. So, Patrick, what do you make of Representative Rasmussen's optimism that the Republican Party can appeal to Black and Latino voters? I think he's right that there is opportunity there. 
Um, but on the other hand, uh, winning a few extra uh, votes on the margins with black and Latino voters is not really going to help them win a statewide race in Minnesota. And so I reminded him that Republicans haven't won statewide here in 15 years. Um, but he says if the party stays focused on being a big tent party, is a phrase he likes to use a lot, uh, that they can win in 2022. For me, it, you know, Minnesota Republicans need to focus on being a big tent party and uh, focusing just on those kitchen table issues that Minnesotans care the most about. I think we have a real opportunity going into 2022. Uh, it's, I think, going to be a really strong year for Republicans. I know you, Patrick, have talked about how historically, you know, the pretty dramatic um, uptick in terms of seats in the legislature for the party that's not occupying the White House. And I think we're going to see that in our statewide races as well. A uh, key piece of that is going to be, um, you know, really contrasting what Minnesota Republicans have to offer to what we've seen from Democrat leadership. I know a big issue that we're hearing about across the state from people uh, is public safety. And a lot of people are saying that uh, Democrats in the Twin Cities, Democrats statewide, that's not an issue that they're trusted on when it comes to middle of the road voters. And unfortunately, we're seeing um, the impact of that continue this summer. So I think that'll be another issue that we'll be uh, talking about with Minnesota voters uh, coming up next year and talking about our plans as well to address public safety. You talked about the traditional union members on the Iron Range, uh, long time uh, voted for Democrats, and, and there's certainly been changes uh, over the course of the last uh, really just five years or so. Are Republicans willing to be uh, more pro-labor and, uh, and more pro-union than they've been historically? We think of Ronald Reagan firing the uh, air traffic controllers as like a huge moment in American labor history and Republicans uh, being really anti-union um, all the way up to Scott Walker breaking the public unions in Wisconsin. Do you sense any shift? Are you willing to, to commit to any shift uh, that would be a friendlier to labor unions? I think, and we see this, you know, whether it's Congressman Pete Stauber, um, a number of my colleagues in the Minnesota House uh, Republican Caucus who are pro-labor. They describe themselves as pro-labor. They got endorsed by labor unions. Um, you know, I was endorsed by a labor union this last cycle. And so I, I definitely think uh, Minnesota Republicans are going to be responsive uh, to um, their concerns and want them to be a part of our movement and for them to have a seat at the table. I'm sure there's going to be some policy disagreements uh, from among our members, but that's true with any uh, group uh, that's a part of our party. But I think we're making solid inroads in there. We're a big tent party, and that includes a lot of union members. Mm -hmm. You represent a safely Republican district, right? Um, and so you were able to knock on doors in the more competitive races I remember you, you mentioned to me. What did you hear when you were doing that door knocking uh, from, from voters? Yes, Patrick, I'm in a yeah, relatively safe seat. And so I had the opportunity to go door knock in 11 different competitive districts across the state. And the key feedback that I got from independent voters is that they want responsible leaders who are going to work on the issues that impact them day to day. And so I heard a lot about mental health care access, heard a lot about uh, the affordability of health care, obviously dealing with COVID and what we could do to get businesses and families back on their feet during that election. And the, my feedback that I've taken, I think a lot of our caucus members have taken is, you know, we need to be focused on those 
kitchen table issues that really impact people's day-to-day uh, -day lives as we go out and campaign for taking back the majority. So Patrick, while Rasmussen is young and new to politics, he is definitely a throwback to a pre-Trump Republican. And I wonder if you think he represents the future of the GOP or its past. Well, it's interesting because on the one hand, he's an emerging leader. He's 28. So he would seem to be the future of the party. On the other hand, he represents these kind of older old school conservative values. He's got that Mitt Romney resume that would seem to represent um, the, the, uh, the past of the party. Um, and I think what he's confronting is this choice, um, and that's between um, appealing to a shrinking base or trying to appeal to a majority of voters. Um, and uh, the country has a lot riding on that identity crisis in the Republican Party. Patrick, thank you so much. Good to be here. This show was produced by me, Max Nesterak, and edited by Patrick Kulikin. Special thanks to Johnny Vince Evans, who composed our theme. Please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and tell everyone you know to subscribe. Thanks for listening, and have a great Independence Day weekend.